As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racers. Big Jed, we've got a big interview. Yeah, Luke, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool that sometimes we are given the opportunity to sit down with some of the hottest names and people in our sport, uh, whether it's on the, the NHRA side or the bracket side. And tonight we're joined by somebody that's had a lot of success on both sides. So it's going to be really cool to sit down and hear Tyler Bohannon's story. This is a guy that's deeply entrenched in our sport no matter the, the, the roots, whether it's NHRA roots or bracket racing roots, he uh, promotes races, Luke. He's a car owner now for somebody out doing some racing. So Tyler's got a great story. He's an interesting young man, uh, really humble and, and well accomplished. So it's going to be a great show and, and looking forward to sitting down and chatting with Tyler. I really enjoyed this conversation, probably, a. Uh a conversation that's got a little bit more depth than anything that I had, I had, I had had with Tyler in the past. Obviously we talk about uh, his performance at the great American guaranteed million and that triumph and some of the things that were going through his head throughout the day and particularly in the late rounds. Um, but just the, the wide ranging um, topics that we covered here. I mean, obviously Tyler grew up around the sport, and uh, talks a little bit about his relationship with his father and, and, you know, kind of 
taking the reins of the, the family racing operation. Um, I, I thought that was really, really interesting. And then um, towards the end of the discussion, we get to get into race promotion. And this is a 24 year old racer that is a seasoned promoter. <laughs> I mean, they put on a lot of races yeah. with a lot of success and he's got a really unique perspective on that end as well is the, the, the maturity and like just Tyler's, I think we all knew coming into this conversation, Tyler's wise beyond his years, but that certainly gets hammered home here. I, I, I really enjoyed the discussion. Yeah, as did I. And I think uh, the, the one takeaway I've learned, Luke, out of this interview is it's really good to be Tyler Bohannon's friend. So if you get a chance to be a really close friend to Tebow, good things are going to happen for you. Speaking of close friends to Tebow, we'll kick this off with P.J. Nord. All right, so this is one of those episodes where we, you know, try to take a little time and find uh, somebody that's doing good things in the sport or has done good things in the sport, and we, we want to get to know them a little better and chat with them and let you, the listener, get to know them a little better, and man, this is going to be really fun. We're, we're joined by the, the latest big-time winner on the, the Big Buck bracket scene, where this person collected the guaranteed million dollar payday in Montgomery in the late fall of 2021. Um, also now a car owner, whereas new stockers going out and getting big wind lights. And he's also collected some big checks post million dollar win kind of the hottest thing going right now. And I, I, I know that he's going to have a whole lot of humble pie here and say that that's not the case, but Tyler Bohannon's with us tonight and Tyler did not necessarily burst on the scene with the guaranteed million win, but he certainly uh, solidified his place on the scene. A guy that's done re really good things in this sport from race promotion to, to racing itself. And now joining us here on the podcast to talk about that and much more. Tyler, great to have you with us tonight, man. We appreciate you giving us some time. Hey, glad to be here. I always like to talk about drag racing, you know, when we're not able to drag race right now, it's 30 degrees outside, but, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good things have been going on around me, I guess. Um, it's just blessed to blessed to have the good, the good fortune. I mean, we talked before about luck and, you know, it is hard to find in the sport right now, but I, I feel like I got quite a bit of it. Well, I'm glad you're, you're again, living up to that humble pie mentality, but, um, you don't get lucky and do the things you're doing in our sport right now. You're, you're definitely earning it. And we'll talk about pretty much all of the stuff that I, I previewed there in the intro, but let's start first and foremost with your background in the sport. You know, it's uh, we all got to start some way, somehow. I know racing's part of your family and has been for a long time. So tell us about your intro to racing, to drag racing, how it happened, where it happened, when it happened, that type stuff. For, for me, I started in the junior drag racing uh, stuff, just like a lot of people my age. When I was seven years old, we had a track um, fairly close to home that would let me race before I turned eight. And my grandpa uh, and my neighbor, actually, he had a junior dragster he gave to us to try. And I raced at that track specifically. Um, for that year and pretty much I was already in love with drag racing but at that point I think 
the rest of my family knew that it was something that I was going to stick with for a long time and just, you know, did that until I was 14 and went back to that same track and got in a stalker. So I've, as far as my introduction, it, you know, it was definitely in the junior directors and it, you know, solidified, I guess, my love for the sport. But like you said, I've, my family started in the sixties and I've basically known nothing else. You know, there's just, I've tried other things and haven't stuck with it like I have drag racing. Obviously, like from an early age, Tyler, you you knew that you would be a part of the sport, right? Like it's kind of in your blood. But I'm curious, did you just assume that, hey, my granddad was good at this, my daddy's good at this, like this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to be good at it? Or was there a moment where you kind of, had some success and realized like, Oh, this is something that I could really get into. Like, this is something I've got a talent for. You know, I think that was later on for me, you know, I, what I was driving towards was my dad's success from what, you know, that's what I wanted to do, but you know, through junior dragsters, I mean, I won here and there, but it wasn't like, it didn't, nothing showed me that I had the talent to do it. And then, you know, once I got old enough to start driving his cars and stuff, I, you know, it was, I was working harder and harder to try to do the things that he had done. And then, um, you know, when I won my first national event, that was kind of the thing that showed me, okay, I think I have, you know, the talent to, to definitely do, you know, what my dad did. And then just as from there on, I just, it's more work has been put towards it. And now it's like, okay, I can do this. I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of people's story is trying to, in in our sport, a lot of people's story is trying to live up to what their father did, their father accomplished and race like their father did. But, you know, you, your dad these days is still, he's still got a lot of talent. I think he showed that recently at your, at your event last year. I mean, a guy capable of going out there and winning, but now he just seems, Tyler, to enjoy watching you and your sister and just watching the kids get after it. Uh, it's still relatively young and, and a talented guy, but, you know, he, he accomplished a lot in the sport. But now he's just watching his kids get it done. That, that's a pretty cool deal as well. It is. You know, we actually uh, we spent three or four hours out in the shop this afternoon and I brought that up. I said, you know, hey, we got a couple little things. We got to finish for your car to go race. And he's like, I ain't good enough to do this no more. That's just, that's his, that's his thing. I ain't good enough to do it no more. And I said, well, you know, you raced once last year and you won, you know, 25 grand. I think you're good enough to, you know, continue on. <laughs> and he said, he said, I've, you know, you've taken the sport to something that I didn't know it was possible for our family. And, you know, he, he said, i I lived drag racing when I was your age, but not, you know, not to the level that you have. And he said, I thoroughly enjoy going to the racetrack and watching you and your sisters. But I just, as far as driving a race car, I'll support your races because that's for you and for Brian. But other than that, I just don't care. How cool is it to hear that from your dad? I mean, like, obviously someone that you've looked up to personally, but we've all looked up to like that. He's a hell of a, racer right to hear him say like at your age you've taken this to a level that i never dreamed possible that's gotta be pretty humbling right that that was the first time that you know he's always he's always tried to find the medium for me like 
you know, he's on one end of it of we run a business, we got to do this. You know, he was trying to, he was, he wanted me to drag race, but he wanted me to do something, you know, drag racing wasn't supposed to be what I made it, but you know, he's always kind of rode the line in the middle and that tonight was the first time he said, you know, those words. And it just, it finally, like I was always fighting. I didn't, wasn't fighting for it, but I was always looking for his approval and everything that I did, you know, with drag racing and in my life, but drag racing specifically. And like hearing that's like, okay, I'm, I always knew I had a support, but you know, now I know like everything that I do as far as making this, you know, my entire life, he's behind me on it. That's really good stuff. I think any of us, again, that, that followed our father, father into racing, um, long to hear their approval of the things that we're doing. But when he shows that kind of appreciation and respect for not just doing it, but what you've accomplished and, and the level that you've reached in the sport, that's, uh, that's gotta be really cool to hear. So I, I know you, I know you thoroughly enjoyed that. And we're, we're going to talk about Tyler real soon. The, the, the million win, the one that again, not you didn't burst onto the scene, but you definitely uh, positioned yourself at a new level in our sport with a win like that, but because of the rarity of that being done in our sport, what did the, what did the old man have to say about that when it happened? Um, because I'm sure he was one of the first people that, that you talked to. Uh, well, when the few words that he got out, you know, between the tears and the crying, is you know he was just proud of me and I think it was you know it was just one of those things for him too like that was the moment for him I I've done a couple of things but not you know nothing like that obviously and I actually called him when I turned off the racetrack Luke was Luke was there and I talked to Luke for a second I tried to call my dad and he didn't answer my phone call but I guess him and my mom were having their their moment and then you know I finally got to actually sit down and talk to him about an hour later and, you know, it was, it was a conversation I'll never forget. Just everything that he had to say to me, it was, it wasn't just another win or any of the wins that I'd had to that point. I mean, it was, it was a different level. Uh, I think that's the perfect segue. Like that, I think that's probably what the listeners are here for. Take us through that day, that weekend, like wherever you want to start, whether it was your mindset, your car, like what, as you look back on it, what was kind of the catalyst for that monumental success? You know, I, I was actually thinking about it today. I don't, I've still yet to figure out, I, my mindset through that day was different than it normally is. I, I've been to the point, the furthest I'd been in the millions in the five or six that I'd ran was fifth round. And basically I, it was like every other one of them until fifth round. And it's like, I need to get over this, this hump. This is, if I can get past here, I don't, you know, it, the money is so much. I mean, you still want to win the race, but making the split, you know, it's round six, it should be there. And, you know, once I got to that point in the race, it was just, I kind of let it all go, you know, you're getting paid and it's as much or more than I've ever won on a single day of drag racing. And I'd, you know, I think Wednesday helped a lot with that too, because it just, you know, you're getting some of that tab paid off and you can just race a little easier. I mean, it, it, it really does help, but you know, round six, you know, you get by that and round seven, it just, I wouldn't say it got easier, but just, just knowing about round eight or nine, then it starts to get a little worse for me. I, I'm one of those people that 
as hard as I try to to do that, you know, get it out of your head, it just you got to take it like any other round. I can't do it. It's I think it helps me, you know, to to treat the round differently. But I just I've never been able to just say it. Say it's round one at you know the local track on Saturday. But you know, I don't know what it was, but it just it just seemed to get easier and easier as it went on. And I know me and Champ talked about it. Just the two of us. That was you know knowing that that it was going to be me and him. I think the final was you know, either one of us were going to be happy either way. And, you know, just knowing that it was me and him and the amount of money that we were going to win regardless. I mean, I'm 24 years old and, you know, in drag racing, a 24 year old, that's more money than I've ever seen in my entire life. When I, I was in June of last year, me and dad decided that I was going to go racing um, full time. And, you know, he needed, it would help the business out if I wasn't, you know, working three days a week and, and getting a salary. So that's the route I went. And, you know, when I was on my way home from, from Montgomery, that race, I got home and I had a uh, $3 and 77 cents left in my checking account when I got home, but I had, I had a check in my truck for way more than I would have ever seen, you know, in my entire life. Did I just hear you say you had $3 and 77 cents left in your checking account. And then obviously that was uh, increased greatly by the by the win but that's about cool as hell tyler that that you were down to the last three i, I know it wasn't your last 377 but it was what it was in your checking account so that's great stuff yeah i had a uh, i checked it i checked it at the last fuel stop in franklin kentucky and i was like well i can fill my truck up here and i've got i had 200 dollars left in an envelope that i'd been carrying around for three or four months and I got home and I was, if I wouldn't have won, I was going to tell dad that Monday morning I was going to, have to go back to work. And he, you know, I got home and I, the next day I told him, I said, by the way, I've got $203. So we need to go to the bank today, please. And try to figure out how to get this check cashed or deposited. Great stuff. And, you know, I know that you talk about getting over the hump and that, you know, the money and all that. And, but I was there, I was, you know, out in the pits, obviously with Jake, um, being part of the racing program very late, uh, that thrust me into his spot of going out and talking about the next round or the previous round. Every time I got around to you, man, you were just as calm and cool as you could be. You know, it's one thing to look and sound that way, but your answers to the questions were just so nonchalant and calm, like the moment wasn't getting to you was it was i reading you a little bit wrong was it getting to you a little bit or were you just in such a great place that that your mind was right where it needed to be and you were just that focused i think that's it you know i think that moment the the moment that was created by you and and then the the promoters and stuff like that that's the moment that i've like that i race for you know the one that i'm looking to be a part of and once i can get to that point and be in that environment it's just easy at that point. You know, I've, I'm in that environment. I'm in that moment and I can just, you know, that's where I'm most happy. And I guess it just came easy from there because I, you know, once, once I got to the moment, it was just kind of freed up and I could just race the car. You just mentioned you're 24 Tyler. Obviously that's an amazing day for anyone, but especially at, at this young age, but that's also an age where you have a tremendous amount of, 
stuff happening around you because you're, you know, you grew up in a social media age and, you, you know, texting and all that. Was that stuff coming at you like crazy? What, did you tune it out completely or did you, did you enjoy it while it was happening? You know, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, like coming into the end of the race, the only person I was really worried about or two people was my dad and JP, my car owner. And, you know, like with the split stuff, I, we like walked off from the split and I thought, well, I didn't even say nothing to JP about, you know, I didn't ask no questions. So I texted him. I said, hope you're not mad. Here's what we did. And he said, I don't really care. Just win the race. And then, you know, we went, my dad, you know, would always text me every round and we'd talk about something and we'd go on. And the last two rounds, there was nothing, just crickets. Didn't get nothing from him. And I'm like, is he, is everything okay at home? And he finally told me later on, he's like, I was, I was just no help to you. I was a basket case and I just needed to stay out of the conversation. But, you know, that was really it. I think, I think everybody that, you know, would have texted me was just watching the race and, you know, just letting it happen for me. And, you know, I do pay quite a, attention, quite a bit of attention to my phone, you know, throughout the day, no matter what it is. And, you know, I think everybody, it was just part of that moment, I guess. They just, the only two people that would even text me and, Hell, I texted a few people that didn't text me back in between those rounds. You know, they just they didn't want to talk to me, I guess. <laughs> sort of like um, the pitcher throwing a perfect game. You know what I mean? Nobody, everybody sits on the other side of the dugout. We're, we're, not, we're not messing with this. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, <clears throat> we had talked about it on the, on the show right after it happened, Tyler, but it seemed like <clears throat> one of those rare events where, it was literally the right two people in the final. Like it seemed like throughout the day, you and champ made better runs than anyone. And, and it doesn't typically work like that, but you guys ended up there in the final <clears throat> there may be, and we can backtrack, like there may be around that you feel like you got away, got away with, but just from the outside looking in, it seemed like you were almost machine-like particularly on the tree. And I know in that instance, like the money is one thing, I think it's really easy to kind of get in your head and go like, man, I've been crushing it. You know, like don't screw it up now. Or, you know, those, those thoughts creep into our heads. Like how were you able to, to overcome that or, or did that ever even cross your mind? See that never crossed my mind because the, the three or four weeks before that, you know, I, I hadn't struggled on the tree. I'd been really good on the tree, but I'd struggled on the finish line. I actually all last year, I really struggled on the finish line. So I kind of forgot about the tree. Like I'm going to go buy it and it's going to be fine. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But that weekend, that first day, I wasn't hitting the tree that well. And it was coming up red and coming up red. And I finally said, just roll it in. So that whole day, I really didn't think about screwing it up because honestly, I'd been between nine and 17 and didn't think I was making that good of a run anyways. And it was like, I got it, you know, it, I didn't think I had anything to screw up because I wasn't, you know, making that phenomenal run. But then when I was looking at the rest of the ticket, it's low dead on and low dead on. And it was 15 total. And I just, I don't know, it never crossed my mind. I just, I knew that if I rolled it out, it was going to come up red again. And I didn't want to do that. And I was like, 15 total is what I'm giving them. Yeah, well, that's hard to handle. 15 total, <clears throat> excuse me. That's a, that's a number that, you know, if you know you can go out and do that every round, you'll take it and, except whatever results comes with it. And it, it obviously, you were hanging around there quite a bit and it obviously worked out very well for you. 
Tyler, I know you're close to, to Bo Butner, uh, a guy that's obviously had super big days in racing, even, uh, you know, million dollar wins on the, on the bracket racing scene. Um, I'm sure you, you don't want to take away from anyone that reached out to you, but what was that like uh, having those conversations with him, with, with Bo, knowing that you guys both have accomplished something pretty special in the sport? You know, it was – Bo's been there for me in places in my life that, you know, it was – he was the only guy that could help me in that position. And, you know, Bo gave me a job when I was struggling in college and not struggling with class, but more just the fact that I didn't want to go to school. Um, you know, Bo gave me a job and helped me, you know, with that and allowed me to still chase what I wanted to chase. And, you know, anytime in racing that I needed something that, you know, he was the guy that could do it, he has. And I saw his name pop up on my phone and I answered it. And it was almost, it was just kind of like that conversation with my dad. It was, you know, we, he congratulated me, but it was more, it was more the life side of it than it was the, you know, talking about what had happened. It was just, it was super awesome to, to think back of all the things that, you know, he had helped me get there as much as anybody had. And um, it was just a super cool conversation. It was, it was a quiet two or three minutes and, you know, we went back to, he was in Vegas, I think, or Pomona at the time. So it was, uh, it was an awesome conversation. You talked a little bit earlier, Tyler, about how it's impossible to, to block the financial aspect of it out late in that race, right? Particularly with the, the sum of money that's on the line. And you, you kind of alluded, it's like that in any race. So this is just probably, you know, 10X everything, right? How, how are you able to, to block that out? Or perhaps the way you said it earlier, isn't necessarily blocking it out. Like, how are you able to use that as fuel? Yeah, for me, I guess, instead of it being the financial side of it, it's more just the stage, you know, it's the, it'd be the same as a divisional for me or a national or, you know, any of those races, it's just wanting to win the race more than anybody else. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, it's something that I've thought about a lot and I've listened to people talk and talk. I've listened to, you know, Peter and, you know, all these guys that say, you just got to let it go. You just got to let it go. And I'm, I'm just not able to do that. I don't know. I think, you know, my dad used to tell me, the days where you don't remember what you did from point A to point B are your best days. And I think that that's just, you know, you don't notice yourself doing it, but you know, when you back up from the burnout and you don't remember anything until you turn off the racetrack, that's, you know, I, it's just, you've got to get to that point where nothing's on your mind. It's not just the money or just, you know, the stage that it's on, it's everything. You can't, you know, I couldn't tell you how I staged the car or, you know, what happened after I took off, but, it's just getting everything out, not just one or two things. Yeah, you know, that's such a powerful statement that, that you just said, that the days you don't remember anything are your best days. And that's true because you're just going through the motions, man. You you know, I don't, I don't remember my ride to work this morning, but I did it perfectly. So I get that completely. It makes so much sense. And, uh, and that's something that I'll, I'll think about more as we go forward. Tyler, I've oh, never hold asked. On, hold, on, hold on. I want input from the traffic around you to know if you executed that. Perfectly. I don't know. Well, if I, didn't, I didn't hit anybody. So, I mean, I, I must've done it just right, but <laughs> I'm sure others might disagree. But Tyler, I've never asked anybody this, but, you're a guy, you're one of those guys in the sport, you're young, 
you know, and I mean this the right way, but you're good looking, you kind of got it all going for you, you're talented, you got great equipment, you're social media active, you know, you're, you're one of those guys, in a, and don't take this the wrong way, that's easy to hate. Because if they don't know you, it, it's easy for someone to judge you and not understand how hard you've really worked to get where you are, especially at 24. Was there much hate that come along with that million dollar win? Did you receive much of that? I didn't, I didn't see it personally. I, well, I mean, a few here and there, I would say that the stuff that I, I seen was from, um, you know, the people my age that I've raced with all my life around home. And, you know, I, I'm not scared to tell people that, you know, yes, my dad has always made sure that I had the equipment that I needed to win the race because, you know, it was just, it was the way he was, you know, my grandpa did the same for him. And, you know, my dad has the same mindset that I do. We go racing to win the race. It's not, you know, I love drag racing, but racing isn't fun to me. Winning is, is what I tell everybody. And, you know, my dad just made sure that I had the equipment to do that because that's what he enjoyed as well. I mean, we've rode home from the racetrack, just me and him, you know, with him yelling down my throat plenty of times about, you know, my performance on the racetrack. But, you know, <laughs> I, I never had the excuse that my equipment wasn't there. Well, the good equipment's a, just a component, you know, it's just a piece of that, everything that it takes to, to win. And again, I know for a fact that you've worked extremely hard at it. So I was just interested that to see if any hate come along with that win and how you dealt with it. I'm sure you've received some for other things you've accomplished in your life. Uh, you know, at 24, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the, the naysayers, the people that don't understand what you've put into this to get to the level that you're at? I probably, I guess I handle it a lot different than, you know, a lot of my friends do. I was, my dad taught me to always try to, don't burn bridges. That's what he always told me as a kid. And just, you know, if, if somebody has something bad to say about it, I just, you know, I try my best to just let it go and eventually hopefully become friends with that person in the end. That's just the way I was taught to do it. I know, you know, some of my close friends aren't that way. They'll have no problems, um, you know, ending that pretty quick. And that's probably some more reasons that I've um, lost friends, but, you know, it's just the way I was taught is to kind of try to let it go and, you know, one day that person will be your friend again. That's a, uh, that's a very mature outlook, Mr. Mr. Tyler. The, yeah. uh, it's funny because like, I think back and this would be really to my much younger days, but like I stopped racing junior dragsters because I didn't put it together at the time, but looking back, like I just kind of took to it better than everybody else. And at that time it was all the kids that I grew up playing football with in the field at the racetrack. Right. And we all just got junior directors when they got introduced and I took to it quicker and I was winning and it like, I lost friends over it. You know what I mean? Like we weren't mature enough to, to separate the two. So I thought, well, this is easy. Like I'll get my friends back. If I just stop racing. Like, I feel like that, that kind of jealous, you know, hate, if you will, at least early on kind of stifled my development. Like I didn't want to win because it wasn't fun. You know what I mean? To, to have that. And, and now come full circle, like you realize that that's about the greatest compliment you can get on our sport is to be, you know, accused of cheating is probably the number one, but the second is like, ah, oh, I hate that guy. Cause he's, it, it's all too easy for him. You know, when, when you take the broad picture, you're like, oh, that's actually, that means I'm doing a lot of things right. But I, 
I definitely didn't put that together in my teens and I'm fairly confident in saying that I didn't put it together in my mid twenties either. So kudos to you. That that's a pretty healthy response, I think. Well, it, it, you know, I, I think what also helped me a lot, like in my junior days was, is my dad was a super stock guy. We ran that stuff. And then when I came home and raced with those guys, it was just totally separate worlds. So like that influence from my dad is what I got. And I didn't get to see what they thought, you know, a whole lot. And so it was never firsthand, I guess. And, you know, I had different groups of friends at the time from different forms of drag racing. And I think just being able to to have that influence from my dad longer before I was introduced to, you know, that kind of problem also helped. Wise beyond your years, young man. You got, got some good leadership around you. It's obvious. Shout out to Chuck. So, Tyler, you have recently become a, a stocker owner. You have purchased a late model stocker, stock eliminator Corvette, uh, Moser Corvette from the Cummings family. And immediately you, you send Austin Alvey to pick it up. He gets in it and he goes to the first race and gets the final win light. So immediately you're a, you're a car owner. You're a winner as a car owner as well as what you're accomplishing on the track. How did all that come about? Had you been looking for something? You know, were you guys trying to team up and do something this spur of the moment? What happened? The the trip was spur of the moment. The the purchase, I don't I don't know. I that is still NHRA racing is something that I'll never be able to get away from, even if I wanted to. And you know, super stock. I've you know all of my life there's been a super stock or at least one of them in my shop, and so you know, stock is the next closest thing to that. And I wanted to give, I made a post looking for a stocker and me and Slate had talked, you know, four or five times about his car. And I just told him, you know, it's, I wasn't ready to make that kind of jump, I guess, financially into the, into the stock. So I'd made a post and had four or five comments of people that had cars for sale and nothing was really, you know, interesting me. And Slate posted his car on there again. And I called my dad and I said, what do you, what do you think? And he said, well, I said, and I told him the same thing. I said, I want to make the best. I want to give myself the best chance I can with the best equipment possible. And he said, well, that's the best equipment and that's your best chance. And I called Slate the next morning and bought it. And, you know, Dylan, um, he was Pomona and Phoenix and he's got a lot going on that right now with Bo. So I just, I really wasn't looking to make a division four claim on my score this year, because for one, um, it's a, I didn't want to go get the car and go to the racetrack and claim something, but also because division four has 50 cars and 40 of them can win. And, you know, that's just, I didn't really want to have to deal with that. I'll be honest. Those guys are really, really good down there. So I happened to be at Austin's house uh, Tuesday night before the race. And I said, you think you can get off Friday? And he said, yeah, I can get off Friday. And I said, all right, well, we're going to leave Thursday night. We're going to go to Slate's, pick up the car, and you're going to drive it. He said, well, all right, that's fine with me. And, you know, it's just I bought the right equipment, and there was, you know, no issues, and my driver was really good that day, and it all worked out. Yeah, it sounds like it worked out really well, and uh, it sounds like, you know, he's going to continue on uh, driving that for you a little bit. You've got him at the Gator Nationals, so hope that continues to go well, and um, certainly – I'm sure that's uh, something you're going to get in soon. Where do you anticipate making your debut in your new stock eliminator Corvette? Well, I got to get 
my dad in it first. He's already asked to drive it. And then, you know, if I don't let Dylan drive it at least once, he's going to yell at me. But uh, I plan on starting at Indy uh, for the points race probably. I just um, – I try to – with my NHRA schedule, I try to, like, put it in a two- or three-month span where I can get as many races as possible. Um, you know, that way I can leave the early year and, the, and late in the year to bracket race. But I just think putting myself as many weeks in a row as I can in, in that equipment gives myself the best chance as long as I can stay in the car making runs. The, uh, the, the car owner hat is a new one, but obviously just recently you've been on both sides of that dynamic. Let's back up a little bit. Tell me about how the relationship came about with JP Schuster, how you, how you got in the car that you ultimately won the million in, in the first place. You know, I know that the relationship with JP came from slot car racing, you know, when I was young. And so, I mean, there is an age gap there, you know, six or seven years and so when I was younger we were friends but it wasn't we weren't really close and I can't really tell you where that started to evolve you know but um, the last couple of years you know we've been on vacation together and raced together and I think maybe just that you know brought us closer and um, I had a small chance that went in the division and maybe top 10 in the world in super comp and the car that I was driving um was a friend of mine's from here at home and he was going to sell the car and I understood why and he ended up selling it pretty quick and I needed something to finish the year and between uh Megan's dad JB and and JP um they gave me the equipment to do that well JP said I could run uh the super comp races I needed if I would bracket race it a little bit and he had been struggling uh in the driver's seat I think it was you know more him the car was great he just I don't know if he was just ready to be done for the year or what. So he gave me the car for two months. And so I was able to, you know, I had two months of seat time in it before that race. And I just, I think over the last couple of years with, you know, he would come to my house and we'd go run a 10 tuck together and, you know, I'd go up there and we'd do stuff together. And I think just, just slowly it's evolved into us being as close as we are. Well, that uh, was a, a very beneficial relationship for both of you um you know and, and you said jp said along the the million win journey don't worry about any of that money and stuff just uh, just go win the race but uh i mean that how great is it to send a guy with your car to the biggest race of the year and he gets the the final win light and the payday um and and that kind of trust in you probably made it very although you know giving that kind of money back to someone whatever his cut was i'm sure can be can feel a little bit painful maybe but that had to feel really good for you to to be able to reward him for for that kind of trust in you it did you know i i've never been that guy or at least you know the times that i've won it's 99 percent of the time it's been in somebody else's stuff so you know it was obviously on another scale um but it, it was just the normal thing, you know, and then for it to be him, you know, a friend of mine like that, it was, it was a totally different kind of feeling. You know, I knew that it changed his life almost as much as it did mine. So, um, you know, just being able to do that with him and experience, you know, when I got home and he was, you know, we spent a week together after that. So just being able to have that experience with him and some, that was somebody else that, you know, he was experiencing the financial side of it identical to me. So somebody could relate to me, I guess. So that was kind of cool. The uh, and I don't I don't want to make this exclusively about the million, just because like hearing you talk, 
it's obvious that there is so much more depth to you and your career than, than that one weekend. But you'd said earlier that it's not necessarily the money, it's the, 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 the triumph, right? That, that it's uh, a similar feeling kind of regardless of the stakes. I'm curious, like compare the late rounds of the Great American Million to the late rounds of say a national event. Like, because some of that's familiar, but some of it's gotta be a little different, right? Yeah, it is. You know, I've never, I've never staged at 10 cars and come back to my trailer and looked at the scoreboard and Lane Dickon walks up and says, that was a $60,000 win light that's still hanging up there. You know, you're not going to have that uh, at a national event, but, you know, Sunday morning, you know, waking up at one of those races and there's four cars left and that is a stage that I compare it to, but, you know, you do think about the financial side of it. And, you know, when somebody points at the scoreboard and it's still lit up and they say that was $60,000, I mean, that's, that's a different level. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to feel that myself. That sounds really cool. <clears throat> so Tyler, we, we've talked about your relationship with JP and how wonderful it's worked out. And we talked about your relationship with Austin Alvey and your new uh, stalker and that's working out. Your relationship with Brian Whitworth is, is your uh, promotion efforts that you guys do together, your Derby city brand. And, and obviously what you're doing for the class racers, uh, that's been successful for you. I feel like I need to get closer to you because I feel like good things happen to your friends. But um, nonetheless, you guys have some races going on this year. You've got a new venue for your for your bracket, your big buck brackets race. Tell us a little bit about what you're what you guys have going on this year from the promotion side of things. Well, we've got um, a lot, actually, more than we've ever had, but um We've got the, the class race, um, which is something that's very special to me. It just, we're, we've been talking about it all week. It's, you know, it's, it's a different type of racer and we are struggling with it a little bit, but I think it's the, it's the future for the sport as far as sportsman drag racing on, on that side of things. Hopefully um, we can continue to gain support and, and continue to do the event. Um, you know, I, we're still learning. Um, not only just in promoting, but in that side of it for sure. And, um, you know, the bracket racing stuff, it's been better than we ever could have imagined, you know, kill care and their staff and the facility has, has welcomed us. And I think the move really helped our events, um, you know, going to a facility like that. And then as well as St. Louis, you know, they, that's, that place is unbelievable. Um, you know, with, with theirs, they put people in that place that, are drag racers and you know can when they you know their computer guy is a racer and knows what he's doing and their their lanes guy is a racer and knows what he's doing these aren't just people that are there to you know make 50 bucks on a friday night or something like that so you know everything on the promoting side for me has been a big i guess that's it's been a big growing thing for me you know in my professional life is you know i didn't, didn't like college and dropped out of that. And I had some, you know, work jobs and that was fine, but you know, this is business and, you know, it's definitely matured me a lot in the last couple of years. Brian's a big part of that too, but, but my events, you know, they just, I've been blessed with that. They just keep getting better and better. And we keep trying to make that experience better and better. How did you get into race promotion in the first place? Because, like, I don't think many of us at, like, 18-year-old would be like, hey, I'm going to be a race promoter. And you weren't far removed from that when you jumped in. Like, how did, the, how did that transpire 
to begin with? I had my, my local track owner, he had, he had tried a couple of 10 granders and he would always, I just never, his format was always bad. And he finally called me on a Monday and said, uh, meet me for lunch tomorrow afternoon. And I, it was a weird, you know, I didn't expect him to call me and ask me to go to lunch. So um, I went and met him and he, his first thing out of his mouth was, I want you to help me put on a race. And I was like, okay, I'm 20 years old, but yeah, sure. I'll help you put on a race. So I kind of drew up a format of three 10 granders and a hundred thousand dollars shootout. And he said, we're not paying a hundred thousand out of here. And I said, no, 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 no. You got to read into this a little deeper. I said, you know, it's at the time it was 2019, I think. And in 2019, three tens was not going to get, you know, people from further than two or three hours away. I said, this is how you get your travelers. And this is how you get your locals to come. I said, this is, I just felt like I had the right format to get his locals and the guys to travel the, the long distances. I said, this is going to work. And I said, he wanted to have 200 cars, I think is what we said. Um, and my website guy, he, he was doing it for the track and all the website or all the pre-entry was through the, the track's website. Well, I had told him 200 cars and he took 200 people at 272 cars in three hours. And I called my track owner and I said, well, we have a good thing. You want the bad news or the good news? And he said, well, give me the bad news. I said, well, the bad news is we took too many entries. And he said, you're, you're, it's been three hours. You, you haven't filled the race. I said, no, we're at 272 cars. And he said, no, no, we're not. And I said, okay, well, uh, you figure out how to, what we're going to do about having 72 extra cars. And I'm just going to go back to, to what I was doing. Cause I filled the race. And he called me the next day and he said, all right, well, here's the deal. You're going to help me through this whole process. Cause I never thought you'd fill this. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I can just imagine the, the initial conversation of him going, wait, 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 wait. We had we tried to pay ten thousand dollars and lost money. We're yeah. not gonna pay a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and here, by and large, you figure out a way to go through with it, and within three hours it's not just sold out, but oversold. <laughs> yeah, he I think he was expecting, you know, he told me he didn't want to lose money. He said just make it break even. And I said, well, the, the deal with the shootout is you can't, it's, it's, it can't lose money. I said, don't worry about that. That's, it's just a number. Don't worry about that. I said, just worry about the weekend. And, you know, we, we opened pre-entry and, you know, I just didn't hear from him and I just called him cause I was, you know, at that time pre-entry races were, they weren't new, but it was a big deal, you know, to be at that cap and especially Brian is huge on that. And he was big on me. Then, you know, he was in my ear, like you better make sure you got 200 don't have 205 or something. The next thing I know we got 275 and, you know, so that was, I thought I'd done ruin my entire promotion career right there. And it, it just worked out really well for me, but yeah, he was, he was blown away. Yeah. So, and I don't, I, I was certainly not, uh, insinuate you were this guy, but we're all of us racers that before we ever put on races and I've been doing it now for, for going on 16 years. Were you the guy that little things at the track just aggravated to piss out of you all the time until you started putting on races? And then, you know, I got, I just gained a newfound respect for, for track promoters and, and owners and workers and I don't know I just don't let that stuff bother me anymore did you have that same transition in your life after uh, promoting 
Oh, yeah, uh, most definitely. I mean, day one of, I mean, through pre-entry, I gained that respect. And then after the race, it was, you know, like I had a, I had an instance last year where the tree, you know, fired nine seconds late or something. And then we ran the round and I just went up to the promoter and I said, hey, I, you know, he said, I, and he, after the conversation, he said, hey, I didn't see it. And I said, no big deal. I appreciate what you're doing. I just, before I promoted, I would have probably lost my mind up there, but it, you know, I understood he it was 12 o'clock at night on day two. I knew where he was coming from and I was fine with it. Yeah. I think everybody ought to get on that side of it um, at one time or another. And, and you certainly get an appreciation. And uh, Luke and I've talked about it many times on the show. I never knew racers asked so many questions that were listed in detail on the flyer. Right. Uh, <sighs> You know, I went through a lot of trouble to get this flyer where, you, you know, you can't find the date on the flyer. It's right there. It's just you know, the same place every year. It's just the craziest stuff I've ever seen get asked that, that you've got addressed on the flyer. It, it is. It's, and the, you know, actually what gets me the most is the questions that they ask. Some of them anyway, and it's, it's probably more a local thing than anything else, but it's like, I never thought that. I thought you knew, I don't know. It's just like some of the questions that come up with you're like, where did that come from? Or I would have never expected that question from you. It's just, I think about each person differently. It's just weird. No doubt. So uh, obviously this one race that, that started this whole thing is now you guys have five scheduled this year, five events, uh, five events with one being a practice tree race. Yep. Okay. Right. So a lot going on. I, I don't, guess we need to necessarily go through every one of them i don't mean to make this an infomercial but for the racers that are interested regionally i guess give us the locations and and where they can find more information yeah so our first event will be the class race uh, at st louis that's stock super stock comp super comp and super gas um last weekend in april for that second weekend of may uh is our 50 grand or 10 50 10 at kill care uh, third one is the middle of July at, back at St. Louis for two fifties. And then we'll finish, um, first weekend in August at kill care for the hundred grander. All of our information is on our website. Um, he changed the website name. Put you on the spot here. Yeah. Done did it to me. Um, but yeah, all of our information stays up to date. Brian handles all the website stuff and he's, incredible with that i want to say okay yeah it's still racederbycity.com my fault yeah racederbycity.com is where you can find all the info uh for our races and um flyers that the only flyer we have out right now is the is the class race flyer we're trying to work pretty hard on that for the next couple of weeks before we transition we're our biggest struggle is that we're learning this year is transitioning from event to event and how to handle the promotion of those you know with social media and stuff and still like we don't want to be too, we don't want to emphasize too much on one race and not the other. We want to keep, you know, all the events rolling. That's something that we're uh, working through right now. That's fine line. And I know you guys balance it very well. And uh, I'm sure that your events are going to, going to go well for you and Brian do a really good job of keeping it in, uh, in our line of sight, but not overdoing it. So uh, I think you guys have a great promotion uh, mission that you're on and, and certainly Hope that continues to go well for you. So that's your races you're putting on in 22, Tyler. We've talked a little bit about maybe when you're going to get in the stocker. 
But what else are you going to do in 22? I, I know you, you're a busy guy. You got a lot happening, but um, what, what does the racing, what's the racing scene like for you this year? Well, it depends on diesel fuel prices, I guess. Um, they're high, but, bud. They're real high. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go to Montgomery Motor or Capital City Motorsports Park as many times as I possibly can. And, uh, but this, I'm going to run the NHRA stuff that I always do, uh, you know, six to eight divisionals, six nationals. And, you know, every weekend that I'm not doing that, I'm going to be at a racetrack somewhere. I just, if I take two weeks off, I notice it when I go to the racetrack the next time and it just scares me to death that I'm going to forget how to drive a race car. So I just keep going and keep going until I can't no more. Good stuff. I'm sure that you'll get your share of wind lights and uh, don't blame you for wanting to go back to the, the scene of the biggest day you've ever had in racing and maybe the biggest day you'll ever have, of course. So I hope to see you down there some myself and uh, hopefully our paths cross a little bit more in 2022. But man, we appreciate it very much. Um, really cool sitting down and getting a chat with you about some great days in racing for you, your background, you know, your promotion efforts, car owner efforts, all that stuff. You're, you're a very interesting member of the racing family. And, and I'm sure our listeners really enjoy getting to hear your story, Tyler. And congrats again on uh, the, the most recent successes that you've had. And I uh, look forward to seeing some more out of you and us getting to chat with you about that sometime in the future. I appreciate you guys. Uh, let me come on here and talk about drag racing. You know, it's, I listen to the show myself and, you know, if I'm not listening to it, one of my friends is and calling me about it. And, you know, what you guys are doing is awesome. And, you know, this is something else that racers like me, you know, they, they think about as, you know, an accomplishment, you know, to be a part of something like this. So I appreciate you guys having me on and let me promote my races and, and talk about my career. Well, people like you and the things you've accomplished are uh, what the show's all about, my friend. So it's uh, it's really good to, to get to highlight you and, and talk about you. And I know, um, you know, Luke uh, has had a ton of good things to say about you and uh, as have I. But, um, you know, that was that was well earned by you. Uh, you earned everything that's that's been said well about you or said good about you from these big wins and all the great things that's happening in your life. And uh, just wish you continued success and, and certainly, um, you know, hope that uh, there's something significant that happens in the near future where we get to chat with you again, bud. I hope so too. For sure. I know you do. <laughs> You know, Tyler, I'm just I'm just taking a step back and kind of processing all of this. I'm a little bit worried about your your lack of ambition. I'm wondering at what point you're going to try to do something with your life. Like 2022, you guys are putting on four races, a couple of new cars, going to make a run at the NHRA stuff. Try to condense that into the midseason so you can get some bracket racing on the beginning, on the end. I believe you're getting married this year. I mean, what are you doing with your life, Tyler? Let's let's go. You just ask anybody around here that that thinks they know what's going on and they'll tell you i don't do nothing but sit on this couch behind me and watch tv all day so <laughs> well i gotta know what time you go to bed and what time you get up i mean if you got that much going on my goodness when do you sleep uh megan megan's probably asleep right now she's been asleep for an hour probably and then i'll go to bed about midnight. you mean she's not sitting over there somewhere off camera just listening to you talk about yourself she is so over that it is unbelievable and oh she's goodness. got the dog in bed <laughs> yeah, good stuff i'm sure she'll uh she'll tune into the show I, I know she'll she'll catch up when the episode's released 
for sure. All right, Tyler. Well, thank you again, bud. We appreciate your time. We know it's valuable and we know it's limited. So uh, get in there and get you some rest and uh, get started with a new day tomorrow towards accomplishing all these things that you got on your list. Again, uh, congrats on all the great successes and we wish you much, much success again the rest of this year and beyond. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you, y'all too. All right, man. Have a great night. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.